Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 176, episode 2 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. And uh, this is a song I had never heard of uh, before, (laughs) but it has 127 million views on YouTube, so bear with me. What I really meant to say is I'm sorry for how washed I am. Never meant to be so old. Never meant to be so old. Uh, That is courtesy of Quarantina Fletcher at Pink Politic. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! DJ Daniel Goodman had a bunch of hits, but Justin's beats are sick. And I think it's fly when Miles stopped by for the zeitgeist, for the zeitgeist. I like that Jack wears out in a hosnier, spewing all his cold gas takes. But Daniel's gone from the zeitgeist, from the zeitgeist. And we wish him love. I say good I mean, riddance to that jerk. <laughs> he's still in the family. It's funny as as much as I'm like, yeah, you know, he's not working on the show. Cut to we're my habit of saying cut to. We're always talking, baby. He never left. Don't don't be self conscious about your cut to. Cut to is uh, it's great. It makes our podcast cinematic. People, it are, makes it yeah. The zeitgeist cinematic the ECU, dude. I'm gonna start adding a uh, crossfade too and uh, star yeah. wipe too. Uh, star, just to vary star it wipe. up. <laughs> 70s public access TV. <laughs> I that was a was, was that like I feel like that was like by a mole because they got how uh how worn out Anna Hosnia is by me like talking about coal gas shit. They're like, maybe yeah, maybe Anna Hosnia is all of us. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the brilliant Kenny DeForest, aka Milk Purple Stuff, Kenny D. Ooh, yeah, that's right. Kenny you got D. it right. Yeah, this is real of vanilla, baby. What's up? How are we doing? <laughs> what's happening, man? Good, man. What's new? Welcome. What's, what's popping? How are you, man? I'm just uh, just riding it out, just hunkered yeah. down in the bunker, baby. Hunkered, in the, hunkered in the bunker. That's right. I got my quarantine beard ready. Looking like I just stormed the Capitol. What's up? Good to see you. <laughs> yeah, did you get self-conscious about that on January 7th? You're like, ooh. <laughs> what have I done? Yeah, yeah. listen, I'm, I'm, prime, I'm prime to be a mole, baby. Send me in. They'll accept me with open arms. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. We need you, Kenny, out there. Is that a Rod Stewart sweatshirt? It is. It's a Rod Hell Stewart yeah. sweatshirt, man. Love that Rod is, Stewart. That's a beaut. Where the ocean meets the sky. I'll be sailing in the spirit of singing. <laughs> uh, beauty. Uh, all right, Kenny, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today, uh, such as the Oscar nominations uh, were announced yesterday. So that means it is our time to revisit the films of 2015. I, li- I like to do a five-year window, <laughs> look back uh, at what, what has lasted, what would get the award if uh, they allowed a, allowed movies to sit for five years, which right. I think is a better way to uh, award worth in the, in the film industry. Uh, we're going to talk about Biden's tax plan. Uh, we'll talk about that BuzzFeed quiz that tells you how old you are based on food preferences. Talk about the NBA Dynasty Oreos, all of that, plenty more. But first, Kenny, we like to ask our guest 
what is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are? Uh, well, <laughs> so first of all, I use Ecosia. Do you guys know about Ecosia? That's the search engine I use. I encourage everybody to look into it. E-C-O-S-I-A. They don't uh, track your data. And for every search, they plant a tree. So they're a benevolent Oh, Google. yeah, right. Uh, I use Ecosia. And, I thought you were uh, going to say, like, when you were spelling it, I, I, I was being like, please don't say E-C-O-C-I-A. Ecosia. Check it out. It's E-C-O-C-I-A. really cool. CIA.org. <laughs> and you're going to want to type in all of your secrets. Ecosia.gov. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, the most recent search was astral projection. Uh, I watched a show. Yeah, I don't even want to say. Which, I don't. Yeah, really? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I won't say what it is either. You watched the same show, probably. <laughs> yeah, I watched it last night. I, we watched three episodes, and I was like out on it, so I just read the plot summary uh, for the last three episodes, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I had to like check multiple times to make sure I was reading the plot summary for the for the right show. Because wait, what are y'all talking about? We can't tell you the show because it's so out, like far from what it advertises itself as and far from what it is for the first three episodes that we I can't I can't tell you. Yeah. It's even worse marketing. People can search astral projection uh, plot twist and they'll find out what it is. But I don't want to fuck anybody up if they don't. Yeah, want like it is a spoiler to know what we're talking about. <laughs> wow. It is That's, so wild. Now you got me being like, what the fuck? You? I want to know. The right. fuck, Justin? You you can bleep this and uh and and we'll say it right now. One, two, three. <laughs> did you see the Did you see the trailers for that? Yes, that's okay. Yeah, that is I about like, okay. I loved it. We loved it. My girl and I watched it in a night. Um, yeah, okay. I like it was like the first time I've been up until five in the morning since I was in my twenties. I just couldn't stop. <laughs> I was, and that's with the help of daylight savings. That's with the hell, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, yeah, exactly. I got the assist. Right. I got the uh, farmer's almanac with the assist. Oops, exactly. Until five a.m., keeping me feeling young. But uh, yeah, so I was I was researching that, uh, how to do okay. that if it's actually possible. how to do it. Yeah, I'd love to. What'd, what'd you learn? Uh, it's, it sounds like uh, some cool websites like it's you probably found. Probably not really possible. But, I met some pretty know. trippy people though on the internet. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. It also like opens up. It feels like the sort of thing that like has such limitless potential that there should just be an entire genre of like movies about that. Because like at a certain point, it's like, oh, so this person's that person. And, the, you know, you just get to this it, is so confusing. I'm like, I have to watch <laughs> this shit now. The way you are talking is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's wild but it's uh really yeah wild. astral projection guys but okay but just without the spoilers given that the show is good though even though it took it took you it took a turn you didn't know was advertised jack was obviously not into it i was not into it in the sense okay. that i knew my wife was going my wife was going to stay up all night <laughs> watching it and i was not i did not want to do that so i just read through the end uh, I, see. I do oh, that sometimes it. for for my own sanity sometimes there's health. that thing if you're watching a show in bed and it's like i'm gonna keep going and you're like leave me because yeah. i don't have the energy and you're clearly turned up on this and i'm not so yeah I yeah rest. i thought it was great it was just like the it was one of those shows because I'm a lot of people like this, but when I'm watching a show, I'm trying to figure it out. You know, we're hitting pause. We're like, all right, right. here's what I think is happening. Here's what I think. Right. And the fact that it was not, I mean, I was. Like, of it. <laughs> <laughs> I might oh. finish it. I might finish it still You're because doing, yeah. it really does like give 
new context to some of the performances. Like some of the performances are like better than I realized before 100%. I knew that plot twist. One hundred percent. Yeah. One hundred percent. Because the whole time we were like, "Well, would he really be like that?" Yeah. But then now that you know, you're like, "Oh, oh I guess shit!" Would. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm intrigued. Yeah, this this might be the most incomprehensible like five minutes of this podcast we've ever done, but it's it's still it's it would be incomprehensible if you had watched the first three episodes and hadn't Googled the ending. So, uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Kenny, what is something you think is overrated? I feel like the impact of Twitter. That's something I've learned. Like things keep happening on Twitter and I'm like, oh, my God. And then I'll talk to someone that's not on there. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. like, no one knows. I went on the road last fall and I was like, had all these jokes about stuff on Twitter and people in Ohio were looking at me like I was from a different planet. They were like, we don't, we watch the local news. What is this? Mr. Right. Potato had, has a gender. What are you talking about? You know, like <laughs> no one, no right. one cares about what people on Twitter are talking about. And so, um, and like this whole thing is people like, ah, cancel culture. It's like, yeah, you're canceled on Twitter to like 2000 people that don't leave their house. No right. one cares. Everyone's fine. You know? Yeah, it's interesting to see that the difference of like how people look at the things that are happening on Twitter as it relates to like outside IRL reality and the stark contrast in it is really something I think it really you think it's really good to um, like embrace the fact how overrated it is in the context of if you have like social media induced anxiety, like if you're on Twitter and you, you start being like, oh, shit, I'm doom scrolling. I think the world's from the get off that shit for a second and remind yourself you live in the real world and go talk to people like in your community. Like yeah. that's, that's the realest shit to Twitter you have. Like, cause those are people you will rely on at some point, not fucking avatars who are like, yeah, go right. Home. Well, that's <laughs> like I, another thing I learned in that tour, I was in the middle of the country. And if you like read Twitter, everyone in the middle of the country is a racist idiot. And you like go out thinking that, and then you do shows and people are like, thanks for talking about that stuff. Or I don't know. It's just like, Right. It's not as stark. It's not as black and white as Twitter makes life no. seem. It, yeah, yeah, it definitely helps contribute to that cruel world syndrome that people can get. And I think especially when in a year like the last one we've had where we've unfortunately not had the ability to go out into physical space that much and connect with people on that level. Yeah, that's I, that's a good point of to why the trauma of this year is like part of it is induced by the media we consume, whether that's broadcast media or social media. Yeah. I feel like Twitter's uh, use right now is to like bubble up stories that then the mainstream media might find useful. Like the the Dr. Seuss thing uh, that we're going to talk about later would have in any, you know, ordinary universe been a story that just existed on Twitter. But because the the Fox News kind of ecosphere needed a story to focus on and drown out another story they didn't want to talk about it became like a thing that i feel like everybody's heard about right and i think yeah to your point though too jack of like surfacing stories it's like depending on the ideological bend of something it's like it's basically ground zero for the culture wars like all the culture war stories are mostly extracted from Twitter on some level, like mm -hmm. aside from like policy things. But there are a lot of things that are coming out of discourse on Twitter that then evolve into some larger culture war point. And then you have Dr. Seuss has gotten canceled. And it's like, <laughs> what? Because one person pointed out some shit about it earlier and that tweet blew up. And th 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 so, 
it drowns out the good part. Like, because also there's been some great things. Like to your point about bubbling up stories, I don't think police brutality gets the traction that it has gotten without social media, without Twitter, right. without real time. But then everybody wants to be involved. And so people start bubbling up their story. And it's like, not now. Let's can we focus on <laughs> right. can we focus on this? I don't need to know. I don't need to talk about Dr. Seuss. Yeah. <laughs> What's something you think is underrated? Uh, listening to music in the shower, I think okay. is really a lot of people like quiet time in the shower, which I get it. But as somebody who uh, battles my own brain every day, there's something really valuable about just putting a waterproof speaker in the shower and just like turn it on some Rick Ross and just getting some like, <laughs> pure, confident energy yeah. pumping into your life to start your day. And sets the tone, man. I listen to upbeat, happy. I save my sad boy shit for the end of the day. In the morning, right. it is all, you got this, throw some Beyonce on, let's go. Let's That's your sativa, your sativa music. That's right. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> Night you come to emo tracks, the darker shit to put you to right. bed. That's right. Yeah, little chamomile not? tea and some sad boys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Rick Ross pumping with Chevy riding high remix uh, while you're lathering up. <laughs> Absolutely, all day, all day. I mean, if he claimed king and he claimed best, then I guess you can call me God. Uh, great <laughs> opening line from Pusha T on that track. I don't listen to music enough in the shower. Actually, I realize. Yeah, that's I'm, I just, I don't listen to music enough. Period. So shower would be good. Although shower is the one time, and this is why I will like put off showers. On, this is bad, bad uh, window into my life. But this is why I will sometimes put off showers uh, on the weekend or just at any time, like when I don't have to see anyone. Is like because it's the one time that my brain is just quiet and like to itself, and because mm. I have anxiety, like I'm just like, oh, that might be too much. Yep. Just stay so, here, just stay here, just stay yeah, here, yeah, yeah. just stay here. Everything's good right here. Yeah. Uh, honey, could you hold my phone up to the shower window for me? Uh, that would be great. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> you don't listen even in the house? Like, you don't have, I mean, what, you have the children's are yelling for the devices to, like, play their own Yeah, man, what? it's a lot of, it's yeah. a lot of Alexa play uh, PJ Masks song, like, theme song 20 times a day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I do listen to music. It's just not enough. And when I do, I'm like, God, I love music. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that happens a lot, too. Like when we whenever like I'll play music before you know, a quick glimpse into the show, like before we start recording or something, I'll play something like, yo, what's, what's that? What? Who, do, what's that? who does that? Who writes that? Oh, wow. OK, I'll <laughs> is that, listen to that. <laughs> is that Yanni? Is that, it's like that's nourishment. Not Yanni? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes Rafi? I feel you. You're coming in from the the desert of lack of tunage just to, to drink from the oasis of like yes. my passive background music. Kenny, is there something that you think is an underrated driver of culture? Like when you're out there, because that's something I'm always fascinated by with stand ups who are actually out like touring, experiencing the people firsthand that you guys have a, a unique perspective on like what what resonates and what doesn't like what people are, are feeling. Um, do, you, do you feel like there's something that's a underrated driver of culture honestly probably music i mean not to to stay on that topic but like i think about when childish gambino's this is america came out you know and that was like i was on the road during that time and it's one of those songs you don't know if you're gonna hear it everywhere and I, everywhere i went i heard it in the bar you know what i mean and like yeah. i heard um jason isbell who's one of my favorite artists like a folky like americana artist in an interview one time talk about how He'd go home to Alabama and before the country act would go on stage, the crowd was listening to like two chains on the 
on yeah. the jukebox. And it's like, that's the stuff that I think is bringing us all together. You know what I mean? Like music is, I wouldn't say purely benevolent, but like it brings people together and it brings people's guard down in a way that other mediums don't. And yeah. so things get in there and impacts people in ways. So yeah, I think music yeah. is, is, is kind of underrated for its cultural impact, you know? And yeah. How, yeah, I mean, because you even look at like there was that one guy on the sixth who was shooting a rap video at the insurrection, this <laughs> MAGA rapper. Like, and you're like, damn, you're there I did not know about on him. behalf of white supremacy, but you are taking black culture and you are you are speaking your truth, your fucked up truth, albeit, but like through black wow, like <clears throat> sir. Like, did you did you can you take a second here? You might be on the wrong side, but it's uh yeah, it really is. There's something about music that has this ability to like because it's like just rhythm is just like, oh, shit, I'm nodding to this. And now you're like, you're nodding. You're like agreeing yeah. to the music. And you're like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And I think Fela Kuti, who's one of my favorite musicians, he said it very perfectly. He said music is the weapon of the future, like in a very, you know, philosophical sense. But it's true. Like, you know, what he as a in Nigeria, the way he was bringing the people together with his music powers that be saw that as like an organizing threat too but it was through music um yeah there is something super powerful in that sense yeah. for sure and it's uncontrollable too i think in our world where uh you know people crave authenticity and like marketing always immediately like infiltrates every cultural movement or tries to there's something like kind of unfakeable about music and like people tend to i don't know that's something I thought about when uh, people were like, well, during the Trump administration, there's going to be like all these protest songs that come out. And it was like, not really, but it, it'll be like more about the the vibe of it. But it, it just seems like things move differently than people ever expect them to. And just the expectation that something's going to happen almost makes it like, well, that's not going to happen now that you put it out there. It's right. sure. And even to your point, Miles, about the weapon of the future, I, just, I was thinking about this recently, but when I was a kid, I got a Tupac album. I was like probably 12 or something. And I still remember the first time I heard Brenda's Got a Baby. I had never heard that song before. And I'm just like a white kid in Missouri in the comfortable ass suburbs, you know, and I heard Brenda's Got a Baby. And it was like, whenever this sort of like civil rights movement of our modern time was starting i i kind of remembered that moment and i was like it just opened up my eyes to this other world that i had no access to you know what i mean and like sure i'm not saying it made me ready for this moment but it gave me a jumping off point i already yeah. had at least like an idea that there was people that lived differently than me and had hardships that i would never understand you know what right. i mean and it, so it kind of like put me in a place of empathy at a young age that right. i wouldn't have had otherwise and then in your teenage years, like you kind of just like any music about a struggle in general, even if it's not yours. Like, but if it's like kids in the hood who are just struggling, you'll take that even if you're a comfortable ass suburban teen and you're like, my parents are getting divorced. So, yeah, this gun talk is resonating right now on some level that right. it begins to like sort of de or like it, it de obscures or the obscurity is lessened when you can actually be like, right there. We all have these different experiences, but on some level, like I'm tapping into a thing that might not be a one to one comparison. Yeah. But you'd hope creates more empathy. Yeah. And there's certainly the ability to like, you know, it gets then boiled down and then like corporatized and then it like mm -hmm. comes out as like uh, more ba -da -ba -ba -ba. loving it. But 
I, I feel like just in terms of what just talking about, like the authenticity and like the direction things move, like the the direction is never like prescribed by the powers that be. It's them always like trying to react to the reaction, the the direction that like right. energy is moving. And then they find a way to like make a bullshit kind of watered down version of that direction. And then by the time they figure it out, it's moved on in a different direction. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And uh, the 2021 Oscar noms have been announced. Hey. People who have seen all the movies this year, which I think there are probably more of those than in your average non-pandemic year, seem uncommonly happy with the list like there's definitely some snubs uh that people are mad about regina king uh not getting nominated for best director when a lot of people were saying like the performances in one night miami was were like the best directed uh acting performances of the year but just generally it seems like people are more uh pleased overall and i think it probably has something to do with like, I was just thinking about the Academy overall as a instrument for recognizing movies. Like, they haven't expanded the number of people in the Academy, like, with the number of movies that are coming out. Mm -hmm. So, in the year 2000, there were 380 movies that came out. This year, it was 329 because of the pandemic. In 1980 and 81, it was, like, 161 and 173. Um, but now, like... Last year it was like in the eight hundreds. Oh my and, god! Yeah, so it's just they're they're releasing way more movies, and the Academy doesn't have the ability to go through all of them and like figure out which ones they like the best. So it then goes down to which studios have the money to pay for a media campaign, and then like review aggregators and all these different like sort of sorting mechanisms that really don't have anything to do with. Uh, the quality of the movies necessarily. So bringing it back down to a manageable level, it makes sense to me that they would do a better job this year than in years past. I mean, is it a is it a coincidence they have the time to look at things and then we finally get two Asian actors uh, nominated for Best yeah. Actor with Riz Ahmed and Steven Yeun? I'm like, oh, sh yeah. <laughs> and I'm, part of me goes, I need to start watching movies. I took this whole fucking year off from movies. I just yeah. can't. It's a it's been a weird part of my subconscious that like I've not been able to like normalize about being like aside from watching Wonder Woman 84 and Soul. Those are the only things that were like new releases that I've caught. But like those are the I'm, only ones you need to see. Those are the but best I'm ones. taking L's on everything else. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to watch them, but it's weird. I've just been whatever this subconscious block is. But I feel it's like every year because the awards are going to come around. I have to get up on shit. So I'll definitely check it out. But. Um, yeah, it's just, I, maybe, maybe because it was more manageable, I felt like it, I was overloaded. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we're, it was, it was just a fucked up year for sure. I don't know. Was it? I don't know. I feel like I'm being a baby. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like being all hard on yourself, man. Uh, but oh, see, I missed so, therapy today. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to, uh, spend the next month rather than like, you know, figuring out what deserved it and what didn't this year. I, I think we're too early in the life of the movies to figure that out. I like to look five years ago 
at mm-hmm. what won, what was nominated, and what actually has lasting power. Uh, so these are the movies of 2015 that were uh, awarded in 2016. Uh, it was the year Spotlight won for Best Picture, and uh, Mad Max Fury Road uh, was probably won the most overall Academy Awards, but it was a bunch of technical things. So that that's something that I don't know if we if we could get some Zeitgang participation, I'd love to love to hear just people's overall impressions at me on Twitter of like what what you think were some underrated movies that have a a big cultural impact from uh, the year 2015. Does Inside Out count? Yeah, Inside Out counts. I think. You know what I mean? I think like animated is animated is underrated. Uh, comedy is underrated uh, in terms of just the the Oscars have this tendency. I think I think it's like that mechanism that I was talking about before, where it's the uh, studios have a sense of what an Oscar movie is, and so they like focus all their money and energy on like right. that. Uh, type of movie when they're like getting it in front of voters but yeah there's there's not it's, like yeah. a huge comedy this year that would have uh that would have jumped out to me but like melissa mccarthy and spy is like a definitely a performance that is worth looking back at i also feel like people don't get mad if you snub a comedy but like right. if it's like an emotional piece where like yeah everyone bared their soul you know and then it's like nah no worries. Yeah. people are like what <laughs> this changed yeah. this changed the conversation around x y and z yeah comedy it's like yeah the guy farted i laughed but it, it, it. <laughs> it's like yeah but hey can you think about that scene right now and laugh now right <laughs> yeah <laughs> see then then you got it that's something that's something you know overall it was like a huge year for blockbusters it was age of ultron uh fast seven jurassic world and the force awakens so those and are minions. kind of and Minions, yeah, which was huge. <laughs> Ruined, I think, child brains forever. If we were awarding Oscars five years on, if Minions get, like, some sort of, like, lifetime achievement, like... Yeah, like some Cecil B. DeMille award. Yeah, exactly. The The Seven Dwarfs got an Oscar the year that uh, Snow White came out. I feel like you could you could do that for the Minions. It is crazy the staying power of Minions, because, like, Pixar pumps out movies. So for... Yeah. For those characters, like, in fact, yesterday, literally yesterday, I was driving down Sunset and the car in front of me had a minion hanging off its bumper, like a little minion. Like, <laughs> yeah. And like it's a like, truck nuts? It was like a truck nut. It was like a little <laughs> minion. Yeah. And it made oh, me laugh. You know, yeah. I was like, thank you for that gift. It made me laugh. I would say even harder than truck nuts make me laugh. And that is a real feat. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think minions are like some of the best physical comedy creations of like just just based on the experience it's Charlie Chaplin kids. you were saying right yeah it's up there with Buster Chaplin Keaton. man yeah uh-huh but yeah i like my initial takes are that mad max fury road probably is the one that should have won over spotlight even though spotlight was very good uh it it almost like the cultural impact feels more like a a piece of journalism in terms of the overall zeitgeist like it changed the way we thought about a story and a cultural institution whereas like fury road like has just these cinematic moments that like are just burnt into our cultural like yeah. unconscious. Well, I mean, uh, even I mean, and for all the talk of like, obviously, I think when we all look at it, cinema is what the studios like lean on in terms of what they feel are their Oscar hopefuls. But when things like Fury Road, 
There are so many videos on YouTube and people doing analysis from the editing to the composition of the cinematography that it's truly it's you have to like really take that for what like people are studying the movie. Like I didn't realize about all the center focusing of the like the action and how that played and how we were just taking the film in based on how they're composing the shots. And when you see all that shit, you're like, damn, you know, and you got an editor who was not doing action, who was doing drama, who was applying a completely different sensibility to this kind of film. And you get all these other cool things to come out of it. So, yeah. And also, sometimes it's okay to just have fun at a movie. Like, exactly. The Academy doesn't take that into consideration. It's like, did you cry? Did you call your mom? It's like, no, I had a great time. I, Did right. you stand up and shout "fuck yeah" at the screen? Should be one of those things that you ask because yeah. the, the scene where the dude is uh, the I forget suspended what, on the guitar. suspended playing the guitar with flames shooting out of yeah. it is never going to be topped. Like how, how the fuck do you ever top that? So fun, yeah. so um, fun. I mean, because never before had we had a like a physical embodiment of what cocaine looked like <laughs> until that right. film, and I was like, "Yep, yep, That's there Saturday it is, night, right there." It was really more the transition from cocaine into meth. You know, it started right. it off like, cocaine. Yeah. Right. And once he rose up, it was the like, oh, another right. flame. Yeah. My man's yeah. gotten into the harder stuff. <laughs> oh, no, we're up for three days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so of the nominees, there are three that I feel like have faded. Uh, the Revenant is like, that's arguable. Some people really love The Revenant. I feel like that's not yeah. one that like, I revisit that much in my mind. Uh, Brooklyn and Bridge of Spies. I feel like not neither of those are ones wow. that people like go back and are. So I think we have three spots that we can work with on nominees. So hit me with three. Like Creed maybe deserves a look. Sicario maybe deserves a look. Uh, maybe a comedy. But anyways, that's uh, that's your homework, Zeitgang. Hit me up with some uh, nominees for 2015 movies the most lasting thing from the revenant were all the anecdotes about how inyaritu was like abusing the crew to get the the film shot the way he wanted with no lighting and shit like i feel like that is the most lasting (laughs) thing for me i'm like oh yeah and then he got fucked up by that bear that's it it stops Yeah, the bear is the thing and partially the bear is from the jonah hill sketch from the oscars so like right it's the self-fulfilling thing where it's uh yeah i mean the bear was pretty that, that yeah, was and not to say again, and I think that's to the point too. Is like that there was a narrative of like cinema, but there yeah. was like Inuritu and Lubeski back at it again, the duo doing what they do, and like this time they didn't use lights; it's all natural. And like I think that's what got a lot of people going, yeah. like, "Yo, you got to check this out because of this stuff." Rather yeah. than like, do you? He won the that, Academy Award it? for Best Direction. Tom, uh, the Tom guy who directed Spotlight and then went on to direct Cats, uh, also. Uh, nominated <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then I don't he had know. his Oscar presented. <laughs> yeah, it's like an NCAA title where they pull the rafters, the pull, they pull the <laughs> title off the rafters. They're like, yeah. "Sorry, homie." <laughs> They're like, "Also, remember we saw. We remember when you cut the net off the hoop. Do you have the net too?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah we're, gonna, we're gonna need that back." Uh, anyway, so we got another uh, another couple director noms. I, this is going to be controversial, but I, I wonder if Matt Damon doesn't deserve it for The Martian more than uh, Leo for The Revenant. But I, I right. thought Damon was pretty good in The Martian. And that's more of a funny, fun movie. And yeah, Leo, that was just a make good for Leo, you know, right. really. 
Yeah, I feel like you get less of the make goods than uh, if you did this, if you gave it five I think, years yeah, to breathe. I think maybe what we need to do is, I mean, not that every year there's a make good, but immediately right off the make good awards, we'll be like, right. oh, they've, been doing, they've been at it for a minute. Let's just give it to them this time. Right. Like, oh, hold on. Yeah. You fucked up. Then you just fucked over everybody. Speaking of which, the Grammys last night, like not giving Beyonce best song, but then like when she won uh, for being on best rap song, like made a huge deal about it, her like having the win for most. Uh, I feel like that was another example of like award make good where they're like, we we still love you, Beyonce. Please don't stop coming to the Grammys. Yeah. We were so thrilled that you showed up. God, yeah. if we hope we didn't mess it up. Yeah, not saying she wasn't deserving, but just saying that they seem to be yeah, trying that, to correct something and in a half-assed way. Just do it old school where you could go to McDonald's and buy a ballot and you buy 50 of them and you your friends just, you know, goose the system. Make it democratic. Again. Like an all-star game? Yeah, just fuck it. I'm curious to see what happens. Wait, did Grammys used to do it like no, all-star? No, no, I'm just saying like <laughs> I'm just describing the all-star game, which is my first foray into democratic right. processes of voting with multiple ballots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> why yeah, why can't the people vote, especially now, like the people do vote. It's like they're streaming numbers. Like right. clearly yeah. Beyonce is, you know what I mean? It's just yeah, weird. Yeah. The people's choice. I honestly, someone should just make a democratized award show just for a laugh. To see, like, when you let everybody who gives a shit vote. Right. Like, what that looks like. And then if you could actually kind of keep to fuck with, like, the status quo of award giving as it is, because it's so gate kept. There's so much gatekeeping involved. Like, I'm like, I don't know. Fucking. What about people who buy the fucking tickets, too? Where's our award? That isn't the MTV Awards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And also, then you, you could boost artists that are just, like. I don't know. Like, I feel like SoundCloud rappers would be like legitimized because it would be like 116 year olds being yeah. like, ah, right. It, my favorite rapper. You can't even spell his name. It's dollar <laughs> sign, pound sign, uh, percentage, asterisk. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and those. Yeah, that's what is when you look at the streaming charts, like that's what people are listening to. Is right. SoundCloud. Also, rap. revisiting the movies made me realize I was so broke in 2015. I didn't see any of them. I was living <laughs> in New York and I. Just I, I I did not go to movies that oh, whole yeah. year. I was like looking at this whole list. I was like, I've seen none of these. <laughs> well, that's, but then that's, I remembered because yeah. Mad Max. I was like, if I don't see this in theaters, I almost want to wait and hope there's a re-release because it's clearly a theater movie. It was like very obvious to me. Yeah. But so far, it has not happened. But I think at some point it'll happen. Someone maybe put yeah. five years on, we can demand that they re-release it i'm sure yeah they would also all these movies would have an excuse to re-release it like i think one of the arguments against doing this is like well this gives new movies like a boost but you could also give old movies a boost and have the movies that get nominated re-released so people can go check them out years later but yeah that's like something that like even writing about movies when i was uh at my old job they we would try not to write too many articles about movies that hadn't been out for over a year because there's just not as many people have seen them. So you like, can't really uh, assume that they've like kind of soaked in. Right. Uh, all right. Let's talk about Biden's tax plan. Less important stuff, right? Yeah. Where's so, the money, Joe? Yeah. He's doing, making some uh, progressive gestures, but not putting it at pre Trump levels. I mean, the biggest one that I see is the corporate tax rate. Uh, So, yes, Joe Biden has a plan. 
from the leakers that are out there. Apparently, this right. is just being weather ballooned now because he wants to see how many of his donors are like, you kidding me? Taxes, Joe? Um, but <laughs> yeah, there's a plan to overhaul the taxes, something that has not really been done since 93 with Bill Clinton because... When you start fucking with rich people's money, as we've seen, they will set the fucking world on fire with their paid pundits, lobbyists, influencers to tell you about how bad it is Mm -hmm. to raise taxes. When really what we're trying to do is be able to raise enough revenues to, you know, fund a lot of programs or, you know, whatever the administration decides to do with it. I don't know. Um, But yes, we want more taxes because that will hopefully help fund these programs that we need for people, working people who aren't making over $400,000 a year. So yeah, a couple of the points that have come out is bringing the corporate tax rate from 21% to 28. It was over 38% in 2016. I just want to mention that. So you're not even going back to pre... Oh, okay. Well, I'm just... I'll remember that. Um, Pairing back tax preferences for like, you know, pass-through businesses, like little loophole closures... Raising the income tax rate on individuals earning more than $400,000. Oh, yeah. Cool. So if you just a thing now, if you hear listeners, anybody start complaining about raising taxes, if they don't make over $400,000, tell them to shut the fuck (laughs) up immediately. And if you're making. Sorry, just to to your point there, Miles, like I had a friend tell me he voted for Trump and uh, I was like, what? Why? Because I know this guy. I've known this kid since sixth grade. I was really surprised to learn this. Right. And he goes, well, you know, I just got to keep my taxes low for me and my family. (laughs) And at the time, I'm not kidding you, dude. He worked at like, he worked at a store in the mall. I was like, bro, this isn't a, you ain't, what? (laughs) This ain't, and no disrespect to working at a store in the mall. No, no, no. Much respect. I love no, so, don't, but don't have solidarity with these other. That's not no, no, no. You don't need to be in solidarity this has nothing with to them. do with you, bro. You're not going to see more money. You're that's what. The, yeah, we're talking about the the motherfucker you complain about who's not paying you enough. That's who's going to get it in that. That's who's going to get bit with that tax bill, not you. And so, yes, please don't have this weird solidarity with millionaires, please. We this is a very easy thing to do. Um, expanding the estate taxes reach, like so again shoring up some of the laws to to be a little more wider reaching. Um, but the biggest thing is there's no wealth tax. Right. And that's something that I think a lot of people were hopeful, you know, and Biden said he would listen to people like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders on stuff like this, that that would be something that would factor in because it's that's just money that's in there. Right. Like, what, what do they need to hoard all of this money for? You, we need to take a little bit off the top on that. So, uh, yeah, I mean... It's so just, that's the the wealth tax, and it just to distinguish it from the uh ta- like heightened taxing of people over four hundred thousand dollars, like the people over four hundred thousand dollars are seeing an increase of like one percent, and then you get up to eight hundred thousand dollars, and it's a little bit more. And right. Then over a million, it's a little bit more. A wealth tax would be like significant taxation that didn't exist before on people who are making like hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. It's also like, have you ever been around someone who inherited wealth? Like it's bad for them. Poisoned. It's like absolutely poisoned. poisoned. Yeah, yeah. It is a mm-hmm. cursed bag of money that <laughs> right. is being hot potatoed <laughs> down generation to generation, each one becoming crazier and more detached <laughs> and more depressed. Like yeah. 
I used to live in Bushwick and you would see it like in Brooklyn, like the, the, the trust fund kids that, you know, don't even, I remember asking one kid, what do you pay in rent? He goes, Oh, I don't, I don't know. And it's like, and he would just sit at this coffee shop slash bar and drink beer and shots all day. And he had no reason not to, he was just lived his life hammered drunk and he was a wreck. And it's like, bro, you need a job. You need to need a job. You need to need to do something. You need drive. And it's just like, that's the thing is it's like, it's very bad for poor people. And we've, we've covered that. Let's also talk about how bad it is for wealthy people. Like yeah. that amount of wealth is bad for you. It makes you fucking crazy. So maybe right. get you, rid of you some nothing of it. to live for. You know, exactly. It's like, it's bad for everybody involved. So why, why are we fighting for this? Just give them, you know, like let's, let's make like a little daycare for billionaire kids to pretend they got a job and give them a weird little sense of self-esteem where they're like, I made six copies today. And but that's like, you, bro. <laughs> get your yeah. ass on out of here. That's the you know whole I mean? mentality. When you meet those people who inherited a lot of money, like, yeah, that's the whole thing is like they realize at some level that they're like, pretend, like they have this like air where they're like terrified of being accused of like not being worth shit because they inherited it. It like puts them, right. like you said, can it puts them in a bad position, like from Jump Street, like they're in a bad place from a very young age because they rightly are like, man, I didn't do shit. And it, yeah, it's hard to even I'm look different. at. I, you know, I grew up with kids whose parents had enough money that they didn't have to do shit ever. And to the point where like they defanged, declawed them from having life skills in general yeah. because yeah. everything was done for them. And in their adult lives, they are trying to fill these voids with, buying shit drugs alcohol whatever because they got this very skewed sense of what it means to have any self-worth of just sort of like i don't know it's i get everything and life is great but when you get into your adulthood that shit will really fuck you up because you see all your friends who are like damn they gotta they're doing all this and that and i'm just like kind of partying but like you know like it yeah whatever i mean granted at the end of the day they have all their money they can cry on their giant pillow but it's it, it it sucks when you try and look at things like the wealth inequality in this country. You have someone campaigning on like, I can do something. We have ideas on being like, hey, Warren Buffett, you have 80 over 80 billion dollars. How about we come for some of that? And a wealth tax would give us what over t- almost two and a half billion dollars of his wealth to begin to help properly like rearrange things. But then you get a bunch of opinion pieces in The Wall Street Journal, like literally today. In the Wall Street Journal, there is an op opinion that says Warren's wealth tax would wreak damage. So you it's can ridiculous. see already. And these people, they sit there and they go, we want peace in the streets. Look at all these thugs rioting. <laughs> and it's like, why don't you fucking give people a place to live and, and education and healthcare, and they won't be in the fucking streets? You can yeah. literally pay them to not do it. That's all. It's all they're asking for. All they're asking for is for you to pay them and still be the richest person that has ever existed. Yeah. Right. And motherfuckers will be inside. No one wants to be in the streets. People want no. to be at home playing Xbox. They don't want to be out there. They want to put the sticks down and go hold the sign. No one wants yeah. to right. do that. It's just like, and what's crazy too, trickle down economics does not work. But what does happen, what does work is trickle down cost. And what I mean by that yeah. is, all right, so I noticed it in Bushwick. Rich kids, take an apartment, their dad's paying rent. So you know what they don't do? They don't negotiate price. The landlord says, this is how much this place costs. They go, great. So now there is an apartment on this block that is being rented out for way more than it's worth because this kid didn't have to even negotiate. He didn't even have to try. 
The landlord tracks him as a rich kid. He's seen the paperwork. He knows he's got a guarantor. He's like, fine, $2,500. And everyone else is paying $1,800. So now everybody else's lease comes due. And now there's an apartment on the block that's setting this new market. And now these costs are being passed down to everybody else on the block. Mm -hmm. And you see it in the housing market. The fact that like, you know, I know people that have lost $1.8 million houses in LA to cash offers. That's outrageous. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Who and are that these just sets people? the market. Yeah. Right. And then that neighborhood gets infiltrated by a bunch of people who inherited their money or are like a, a hedge fund millionaires. And then like that neighborhood's no longer cool. And then they just go and chase the cool people out of like the next neighborhood uh, that has value because they aren't there yet. So it's a vicious Gentrification cycle. all around. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully in favor, man. Like, I guess this is vulnerable to admit on a podcast, but I'm like close. Like my my grandpa was like a fucking dirt poor farmer. He started a business. He grew it. My dad took it over. I had the choice and I looked around and I was like, if I step into this world and I don't work for something, I'm going to be that guy. Like, have you ever yeah. have you seen the show Duck Dynasty? It's like <laughs> an old shitty show, but it's yeah. funny. It's like the grandpas that started it are all grizzled like arthritic hands from working right the sons are like close and then the, the kids are like baby face frat boys that have never touched <laughs> a tool right and right, it's right. like like and i made a choice i was like look i i don't want to be this soft basically like i i need to go earn some shit i'm out on that and i'm appreciative of all of it right but like when it comes to inheriting and part of the problem too is people that are in that position don't ever talk about it you know what i mean like Right. I'm not sitting on a gold mine. I'm not one of those people, but I am willing to talk about it because I think we need to. And it's like, if there was a tax proposal that was like, we're going to take X, Y, and Z of the money that your parents left for you and use it to give it to people that need it. I yeah. am like, fucking do it, man. I didn't earn this shit. I don't want it. Like, right. I want to earn my key. You know what I mean? And because it, it's yeah. also better for me. It's better yeah, for society I mean- and it's better for me. I mean, earn it or not, you know, like that's I think that can kind of be a loaded term. But at the end of the day, you're open to the idea that you have things that you're willing to share with other people regardless. 100%. And I think that's just a, a sentiment that whatever through media or, you know, consumer culture, we just can't. So many people are still just like they have like the thought ends of being like, help people. What? Yeah. Well, what they do? Because I'm out My here. Your grandfather working. worked hard. It's yeah. Like, and I get it because. Everyone is being ground down to the bone. So it feels fucked. Like some people's like, well, wow, but I need help. I know. That's why right. let's let's start looking at the people who don't need help at all right. and take their shit. How yeah, about and, that? How about that? <laughs> and it's also for $400,000 a year, you still become a millionaire in a flash of an eye. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a couple years of that. You're, you'll be on your way. Right. <laughs> the other way that the, like sort of an underrated way that, the current system damages the country is billionaires and trillion like the Warren Buffett's of the world. Like that dude spends all his time thinking about what to do with the money he already has right. and like philanthropy in quotes, but like his philanthropy is like kind of racist and like focused on like uh population control and shit mm-hmm. because yeah, there's just this like built in assumption that like, well, you can't give it to the government. It's like, what, why the fuck yeah. not? I just, you know, because we don't pay for the Wall Street Journal, I just want to read part of this opinion piece before it hides behind the paywall because it sums up exactly whenever, look, Biden, there's talk about a wealth hike. 
of course, right on fucking time, the Wall Street yep. Journal, the voice of fucking wealth hoarder goblin motherfuckers comes out with this opinion piece as if it's from a guy from just Bethesda, Maryland. And it very right. well could be, but it's someone who's de- sip fucking mainlining the beer bong in the Kool-Aid. Right. And it just says, so they go on to attack the this idea of a wealth uh, tax. They said, rather, it said, the policy prescription isn't primarily about raising funds, although she would no doubt be delighted if the U.S. tax coffers grew as a result. Rather, it is primarily about turning ultramillionaires and billionaires into the boogeymen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is For Ronald it Reagan, it was the government. For Donald Trump, it was the press. For Elizabeth Warren, it is rich people who share an evil trait. They all regularly engage in the obscene act of wealth accumulation. Yep. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's facts. true. That's, that's what obscene. People- that's what people besides the people who pay $100 a month for your fucking newspaper think. Yeah. Uh, they have that article, by the way, on tap, like like it's an obit for Keith yeah. Richards. They just have Sorry. that ready to go like whenever. It's also it's also like once you have a certain amount of money, your money makes money. So right. like yeah. the idea that you need over like over a certain amount of money, it doesn't matter how much they take from you because it's just sitting in a hundred different know. funds, yeah. earning interest faster than you can spend it. So what the fuck are you talking? And it's this idea too, like, well, you know, if you cap it, then what's the incentive to like start Microsoft? Well, you know, you'll still be a hundred millionaire. You right. think the guys would be like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to invent the computer because I'll only be a hundred millionaire. Yeah, fuck yep. that. Watch, because th- there's billions of people on Earth who have will do it for less, who have yeah. an, a vision for their own future that doesn't require millions of dollars. Most people's dreams are just to fucking survive, to be comfortable, to take a fucking weekend off, hug your kids, catch the game, whatever, be with your family. Not, oh, I need, I, no, fuck that. I'm, I'm voting for Trump because I need six yachts. Uh, that's, that's a, that's not, right. no. Most people are trying to just fucking live. Nobody's moving to another country because they can't pay for their sixth yacht. Like, that's that's not what they're going to move to another country because you have let the social fabric and the social safety net just degrade to a point that it's no longer a place that. And what's also infuriating is these billionaires get the money back. That's the thing. Trickle down economics does not work. You know what does trickle up? You give yep. people that need money money, they spend it immediately because yeah, they yeah. have all this shit that they need. And yeah. you know who they buy it from? You're the greedy Because <laughs> you're the ones that fucking sell all <laughs> right. the shit. Yeah. So if you're Jeff Bezos, if you give out $100 million, you're going to get it right back because everyone's going to go on Amazon and order all the shit they need. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, because Jeff Bezos thinks they're like, well, I don't know people like that. I only know other billionaires. And if you gave them $100 million, they're going to turn them and put that in a mutual fund. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like no fool, this you don't even know people y'all don't even fucking know regular people anymore also i thought this was a good uh kind of window into the wall street journal uh readership an opinion piece that i just like copied the headline down over the weekend uh wall street journal opinion piece that was trending how to say no when your adult children ask for financial help <laughs> it's oh like my the, God. <laughs> it's like the uh yeah i mean it's what it's what uh the movie Nomadland, like the fact that there there's just this generational cliff that we fell off in terms of wealth accumulation and the older generation is just like, stay the fuck out of out of my way, man. Like we're I'm gonna carry this with me to the grave. Yeah. And then they'll give it to their fail fail kids. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
And we're back. Uh, and a couple of food stories. There, there's a BuzzFeed quiz uh, that uh, claims with a lot of confidence uh, that they're going to tell you how old you are based on your uh, food preferences. Just picking 60 fucking items off a list. They're yeah. saying, we'll fucking, we'll zero in on your ass knowing if you like, just pick and just click what you like off this 60 item menu, motherfucker. And we'll know we'll carbon date your ass. We'll cut you a half and count the rings. So I just want to first allow people to know what's on this list. Cause it's interesting. They're the way they're trying to triangulate things. The first 30 are definitely like young people, right? Dishes, acai bowls, avocado toast, impossible burger, crone nut, kombucha, charcoal, ice cream. Okay, fine. Zoodles, cold pressed juice. You get it. And then, the next list is more like, okay, let's see how, how old you are with it. Ambrosia, meatloaf, fig rolls, butter pecan ice cream, which I was like, well, hold on. Don't act like there's an age to butter. That, that shit is. Yeah, really what good. the fuck? Coleslaw, potato salad, fruit cake, licorice, jello, oatmeal, raisin bran, shit like that. So I went through, I clicked what I like, and I will report that with near, I will be 37 this year. It said I, I am 38 years old. And it got me within two years. It said I was 38 and I'm 40. So, and it got me within four. It said I was 38. I'm 34, but I'm an old soul. There you right. go. Yeah. See, damn, we're so we're all we all clocked in at 38. Yeah. Maybe wow. that's just what maybe it's just like this. Our average readership is 38 years old. Just tell everybody they're 38. I just yeah. did a, uh, <laughs> I just did a experiment where I picked none on the first screen and picked like, the ones that I chose from the second screen, uh, and it said I was fifty. Ah, and the wording—we were close, weren't we? If not, there's probably a food or two you checked off that you don't actually like. What? Easy. Huh? All right, guys, settle fuck down. <laughs> what the fuck, fool! Like, <laughs> well, there was a couple that were like it? a clear trap. It was like jello molds and it's like okay <laughs> you're just trying to hard one candies? was literally hard candies nah. it's like come on that's that's See, you know what they almost caught me though because i was thinking because i like i was like well what kind you know yeah, I, I said there are i like hard candies, hard candies. I, like, I like jolly ranchers i like fucking blow pops but they made it look like the grandma and grandpa candy dish that right. you never that you were always disappointed you pulled the candy out of as a kid and the Jello is actually just Jello. It's not Jello molds, but they do use a picture that looks like the old ass Jello molds yeah. from like a seventies cookbook. One hundred percent. Pretzels is an old person food. Nah, I I mean pretzels. I think is it's timeless. Pretzels are timeless. They're timeless. Yeah. Yes. I think grapefruit juice is in the old person category. I'm assuming. Because it's with all the, it's with like tapioca pudding. I know what is that like? <laughs> tapioca like pudding old... is like that's that's what they serve to people whose whose teeth have failed them. Um, I, I clicked, <laughs> I clicked it. I like tapioca pudding. Yeah, who does it? <laughs> yeah, me too. I love it. It's so good. Uh, well, all right. So maybe you did right. Okay, uh, y'all take the quiz too. Let us know how accurate it is. Yeah. I'm curious if, like, I wonder if, you know, I'm sure there's some data nerd there who knows, like, there's probably ones that are l really loaded. Right. You know what I mean? That will swing the age at a certain point. So do some sleuthing, y'all. Get back to us. Yeah, Meatloaf definitely pulled me up, like, five years. Because I checked the shit out of Meatloaf. Yeah, but I like, Oh, so you're 70. We thought you were 25. But right. there's, like, so many, like, uh, new spins on Meatloaf out there, like, in the, on the, uh, blog you know the food right. blogs that i i could see that being a popular one whole milk makes me old fuck out of here well then you know 
Call me Moses. Dairy makes you old, Jack. Any dairy. Come on yeah. now. What are dairy, you doing? I, that's, the older I get, the less dairy I can take. So, um, Damn. Take that. Take that. All right. Uh, let's talk about another food story. Oreo uh, has, you know, this is like, to put it in the terms of the sport they're taking advantage of here, this is like the biggest layup of marketing ever. <laughs> they did a NBA Dynasty Oreo mm-hmm. and selected six teams, Lakers, Celtics, Bulls, Warriors, Spurs, Heat, and then just basically trolling every other NBA team, essentially. Right. Uh, so this is where I think this uh, this cookie allows us to enter into yet another conversation about the NBA. Uh, <laughs> because for me, it's hard when you say dynasty, because even when the NBA, I feel like there are dynastic tiers. Right. For starters, the Lakers and Celtics are in their own category, but like 100 percent. I believe that you can come at me all you want, but the numbers don't lie. Right. It's all there. Right. The Bulls. But are they 100- picking a specific miles? Are they picking a specific dynasty? Like, is it Lakers with Shaq and Kobe? There's Lakers no. With no, Magic? there's no. There's Got no. It. The even the press release was like to celebrate the NBA's dyna- dynasty teams or whatever. Okay, dynasty so I'm like, I get teams. that. You know, like hmm. you got Bill Russell. Like that. There's the cel- There's it's the history's there. The yeah. Bulls, 100. This shit is nailed on. Yeah. The Warriors, I get it. They had they had their they had their little run with that team. Spurs, I believe that they should be there as well. We were there. We saw we saw what happened. And then, so this is where I, it gets a little weird for me. The Heat. Now, I understand in 2012 and 13, they went back to back. And then previously before that, what they won in like 2006 or something like that. Yeah. So if we're going off of teams who have just de- went back to back years and then a Lucy for their third, the mm-hmm. Pistons have to be in there. The Pistons yeah. have to be in there. You can add, You can either take the Heat out or add the Pistons. I don't care, but the Pistons have to be there. The Pistons taught Michael Jordan how to get tough, and I think you can't undervalue. They beat the shit out of him, and he started lifting weights. So right. um, I feel like that has to be added there. But then, yeah, you know, and then you got the Rockets, the Tustin Rockets with yeah. Akeem, you know, Hakeem, like, yeah. like back that. to back. And like, I mean, they didn't get that Lucy third, but they were in the Western Conference Finals for yeah. instantly. The yeah. Jazz, even like the if it wasn't for the Bulls, the Stockton and Malone Jazz are just living in the Western Conference yeah. Finals. Big goose right, egg. Man, now though, you're talking next crazy. to that championship. <laughs> them and the and them and the Clippers. I'll love to see that always. But yeah, I mean, like it's I don't know. I don't know how. What would you consider a dynasty? Because you know the the, the Sixers have three rings, although they're all over the place. Like they're they're separated by many years. They they did when I was like. 10 or something i I remember this like crunch bar uh promotion they did where each nba team that had won a title got a crunch bar and i think it was like focused on like the best so like uh the 77 blazers i like saved that until it melted uh and like that that was kind of dope but like i feel like this I don't know, like it feels almost like it It should be honoring just the team because, yeah, like you said, the Heat have three, but then like there are franchises that have more than that that aren't on here, right? Right. That's like, well, no, uh, not well, there's no one that has more than the than three that isn't on here. Really? The, the disrespect starts happening at, at the three titles teams, which leaves out the Sixers and the Pistons. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I didn't realize that that few teams had titles. So the. Yeah. And then when you when you're talking about people with deuces, that's the Knicks and the Rockets, and then everyone else is just singles, right? 
But it does feel like this would be more interesting if they were if the Kobe Shaq Lakers got a separate one and the Magic were the Kareem sure. uh, Lakers got another one and the which Celtics? Hmm. I guess it would be Bird and Bill yeah, Russell. And you could do the you know Jerry West and like Wilt. You could there's there's many yeah. you know you can mix it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. I also so, feel like a dynasty is like the same core of players winning multiple right. titles over yeah, a stretch right. of time. Yeah, you know that to your point, like the Lakers are a dynasty of a franchise, but they had multiple dynasty teams. Is kind of the deal, and that's why the Warriors count, right? It's like the Steph, Clay, Draymond. You can clearly say, all right, it's the, this core guys. Right. The Spurs, Tim Duncan, Manu, Tony Parker. Um, the Heat the is all there. Wade. Like they're all Wade wins earlier. Yeah, in, earlier right, in his career right. with Shaq, and then with the Heatles. The Heatles. Yeah, and then yeah, I I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like they should have gone bigger. Uh, but Oreo you know. always has me, man. When they, when they release a new a new flavor, I'm always there to give it a shot. Um, and I'll probably I did not get the Gaga. Uh, chromatica Oreos, uh, because that chromatica is not a food. Um, but but NBA Dynasty is a food. Is a food that right. is. And my official. doctor said I have NBA Dynasty deficiencies, so I should eat these. <laughs> also, the uh cookie, the chocolate part of the cookie is like dark black, like the rubber in the basketball. So that's kind of gross. Extra it is gross. Oh. I feel like it is. Don't you think it's like dark? It's really like blackish it's like charcoal color more than it's chocolate colored yeah um oh. i've always mm. thought that was weird they're also vegan how about that yeah hey. out there. eat all the oreos you want baby exactly all right and real quick i want to talk about this uh thing spain is testing out uh called a a four-day work week. what miles a just four? spit coffee all over them. oh my four, what is this some commie fuck fest <laughs> over there so they are trying out, uh, it's a three-year program, which will partly subsidize the cost of companies willing to try out the four-day work week, uh, as long as the companies agree that there will be no loss of salary or jobs. So yeah, very, very much uh, something that would make Tucker Carlson like die on air yeah, um, yeah. If, if America tried it, but uh, probably more Sean Hannity, because Tucker Carlson does show... Uh, commie sympathies every once in a while but the the only red lines they say is that there would be you can get the subsidies from the government as long as there is a true reduction of working hours and no loss of salary or jobs Uh, japan scotland finland new zealand all thinking about trying this out and there's really no reason not to do this because first of all environmental benefit which we need to be thinking about like more and more starting 20 years ago. Communist. Uh, and <laughs> and also research has shown that it makes companies more money because employees are wait, more productive. Social, yeah. Wait, more money with let? No. So employees are more productive. They take fewer sick days and their costs go down overall. Like Microsoft Japan Institute of Four Day Work Week and found that productivity rose by 40% and electricity costs fell by 23%. Um, I mean, yeah. also, but, you know, I just to put that through a lens of understanding Japan as like a working culture, Japan is one of the few developed nations where people will die from overworking at an office job. So, I, you know, this it's, it's, it's culturally slightly different, but that is 
really something else to look at it like that. Because, yeah, you're looking at people who are being run ragged by their jobs. And you're like, one day off and they're somehow doing it better, even though we thought they were killing it with their 90 hour work weeks. Yeah. And, you know, JM, our writer, points out that five day, 40 hour work weeks were basically created uh, during the Great Depression. Uh, so like the two day weekend is not an immutable fact. Right. Uh, and in fact, like in the at that time, uh, John Maynard Keynes uh, speculated in 28 that uh, or Keynes, I, I don't know how you pronounce that, Keynes. speculated. Keynes. Uh, John Maynard in the house. What's hey. up, y'all? There he is. Uh, he speculated that technology would afford people a work week of 15 hours within 100 years. Uh, and the the two day weekend, uh, to put it in perspective, in America is the same age as uh, Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cool. First of all, I don't know if you guys have worked in offices. I've worked in many. Mm-hmm. I've I've had day jobs uh, my entire adult life. And I've just been the, cruising off my trust fund, but it sounds fucking awful, dude. I'm yeah, dude. Lie. I, I, I feel like <laughs> sounds like shit, doggy. <laughs> There'd be um, more people to hang out with at the bar when yeah, we're just yeah. drinking all day. Fucking yeah, hate that job pool. shit. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm with whatever you guys are down for if it's four days. But yeah, tell me, Kenny, what's it like? I, what do you guys think about this zero day working, dude? Come on. Get on this Get on my up. program, y'all. Yeah. Um, but like most of the time, you're wasting time, dude. Like no one so much is doing time. shit at an office, man. It's just like looking at Facebook or Twitter until your boss walks by and then you minimize it and do like 20 minutes of work and they do a great job. You're doing great. And yeah, no, but it's like the thing it's is a cultural thing. No it's... one wants their grandpa to call them soft. And so everyone's like, Oh, I'll work. I'll work 60 right. hours. And it's like, but the work's not necessary, but we just don't want the older generations to call us soft, even though we are. And it's fine. Just be soft. It's fine. Right. And so we just like, no, nah, it's fine. I'll work 80 hours. It's, just, it's ridiculous. I'll work 80 hours and I'll work with asbestos like my grandfather used to because <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking hard. It's I'm like, going to mine coal. Hard. I know we don't burn coal anymore, but I'm going to mine it. Yeah. Right now, I don't give a fuck about no black lung. I'm hard as fuck like my grandfather. Like, Because we do have, I think, Americans, this idea, like weird relationship with what work is yeah. because like many of us can point to anecdotal stories of our parents being like, man, it was fucked up when I used to work. And you're like... And then, like, in our new world of, like, technologically advanced, you know, industries and things like that, you go, like, but my hands aren't calloused in the same way. And right. my back, my spine is functioning normally. Is this work? So I guess I should go harder because at the very least, my back's not broken, but I can put in triple hours. Yeah. But I also wonder how full of shit they are, man. Everybody's everybody's version of their story is that they worked harder than anyone Absolutely. that's ever worked. Because, like... You look at historical accounts of life and life has sounded like kind of similar. Like, I'm not saying it wasn't worse. Obviously, things are way better now. Medical advances, technology. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. But like, we're watching a show right now called Buried by Bernard's. Fantastic. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. It's a funeral home in Memphis. Everyone that runs it is fucking hilarious. But the grandma on the show is like always shaming the grandkids. But then they they like cut to the sun and it's like she's literally never working. She just sits in her office. <laughs> they catch her napping all the time. She's doing nothing. Like it's just. But that's it's. I, I think about comedy. Everyone's like, oh, YouTube. You have it so easy. It, like you look in the '90s. If you had five minutes of stand-up comedy, you got a million dollars in an hour special. Like, right. fuck right. off. 
You know, right, it's right. like I, I was reading a story from Jerry Lewis. He's like, yeah, I'd been doing it for three years and nothing had happened for me. I was about to quit. <laughs> it's like, oh, right. oh yeah. shit. <laughs> right. Jesus. Yeah, there's just from a macro economic standpoint uh, for uh, Kenny, <laughs> I, I, too, uh, have read a economics article once. Uh, a 2019 report found that the average American works uh, 1,739 hours more than the people in comparatively wealthy countries. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, and across almost all countries, the richer a nation is, the less time its workers spend on the job, but which they're like, that makes sense. The more output a nation's economy is producing per unit of labor, the more free time workers can have because there's like what like business people call the flywheel effect where like momentum picks up. But at the U.S., as the U.S. gets wealthier, like that mindset that we're talking about is like, like we don't let that trickle down. We, we've got to yeah. be hard on uh, our workers. Yeah, the difference is like those other countries when like the wealth is going up, the citizens on some level are experiencing that on some relative level, whether that's right. through social welfare programs or subsidized health care, you know, child care, things like that. That's where it goes. But in this country, people work harder for all the money to just stay fucking up there and people to just be work harder for fucking less over right. and over. And I eventually you'd hope I think that's why so many people are like, when are we going to reach this point where a plurality of workers understand that they are absolutely being wrecked by their employers and being squeezed the fuck out for every bit of soul breath oxygen they have? So they can just hoard the wealth. And then when does that turning point come where most people be like, I'm off this partisan bullshit because at the end of the day, like I'm looking objectively at my lived experience and it's bad. And I know that people who are actually in the ownership class are the ones that are reaping all the benefits while we are suffering. So what can we now do with that? Because I'm done with all this other shit. I don't know when we're going to reach that point, but that is you'd hope that's the realization we're going to make quickly. Maybe this is my tinfoil hat here. But I think half the reason why is people in power know that if you give workers more time, they're going to have more time to realize they're being fucked. Like, right. that's why some of the uh, COVID conspiracy theories were crazy to me. It was like, oh, the wealthy did this. But it's like the last thing they want is for us to have one year to watch documentaries about how fucked capitalism is, right. which is exactly right. what we've all been doing for the last year. So right. it's it, and it's also a power thing. Like, and there's also race elements here too. the working of class. Course is anytime black and brown people start to get power or freedom or agency, wealthy white people freak the fuck out because they're so defensive, because they know that this whole shit is built on a shaky house of cards of racism and oppression. And shaky race cards. Shaky race cards, <laughs> right. <laughs> These shaky little race cards. Um, <laughs> and so they just, they, they get out their spear and they go back, 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 ah, back to work. And it's just, it's... yeah. And then they don't even want to fund the government programs that feed their employees because they don't pay their employees enough to not be on food stamps. So, you right. know. Right. And then the media is controlled by giant corporations. And so. then they'll just be like, oh, it's not them. It's immigrants or it's, hey, did you hear about these uh, trans kids trying to compete in sports? Huh? What about right. that? Huh? Let's 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 debate that rather than like really fundamental issues, because the most fundamental questions aren't talked about on the media, which is do Americans deserve to live even though they don't have a job? Or should they die straight right. up? Because that's what it looks like right now. Either work and you can you can eke out a living and possibly do better or you don't work and it's 
it's it's probably lights out for you. And is that right. a problem? Coming up next after these messages from GM. <laughs> right. No, right. it ain't happening. Right. Amazon is an interesting case study. Just uh, Amazon workers reportedly work 80 hours a week uh, on average. And I assumed, I remember when uh, it was announced that Bezos was stepping back to just be like chairman of the board and no longer CEO. My initial thought was like, oh, that's going to be tough for him. He's like such a hard worker. Uh, and then you read the articles and it's like, uh, Bezos hasn't really been seen at work for the past three years. Uh, he never takes a meeting like past noon and is like has a policy of like not never showing up or like t- it's just like, yeah, he's just been like chilling because he's the richest human being in the history of the world. So yeah. but we have that mentality that like anybody who's at the top of this hardworking organization must be the hardest working. No. Just like that was an assumption that was just like built into me. And I think a lot of people. It's like truly not. They might have more education or, you know, a smarter business sense. But in terms of hard work, it's laborers. Laborers yeah. do the hardest work. Yep. I worked on a moving truck in New York City for five and a half years. I can tell you the people carrying the fucking dresser up the stairs are doing the hardest thing at that job, period. Mm. Oh, man. You know, and it's the same thing everywhere. It's like, and those are the people that always get fucked. They try to unionize. And then all of a sudden there's a whole propaganda against unions out and all of a sudden that's being demonized and it's just it's it's really but workers here don't feel like they deserve it and again it's that mentality we were talking about of like well our grandparents worked their fingers to nubs so yeah i guess i I'll ha- just i think of that shit all the time i'm a podcaster you right. know and i think about what my fucking grandparents did in chicago in the 40s or like what my grandparents did in japan like trying to like oh, operate in the ashes of world war two i'm like fuck bro but then i have to you also have to be it's it's that's also like a self-torturing mechanism i think yeah. it's inbuilt in all of us to just kind of keep you know that's that's a whole other <laughs> look i like i said i miss therapy today but the whole thing about it is really being able to embrace like the efficiency and what the boundaries are and how much we've come along to say well that was normal then but that's no longer normal now it's like we're not looking at the the media entertainment of the 50s and being like Dude, this shit still tracks no it right. does not <laughs> right because we've moved on so the same way we look at work also needs to evolve rather than like rise and grind motherfucker right and if we <laughs> asked your grandparents right now like would you want us to do that they'd be like no i Fuck did no. that so you don't have to right i yeah. want my i want my grandson to be a podcaster do you know what that looks like to them they're like right. we did it Right. We did it. My family exactly. line is now podcasting. Exactly. <laughs> or thinking about is further back. Ancestors who are in a cotton field picking cotton thinking, God damn, if life could only be easier for my descendants going forward, because this yeah. is fuck. This is slavery. And what's fucked up is we're just still seeing versions of it now. But now it's like slavery with a credit card. So you can buy some sick fits at the right. same time. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like. You know, and, and JM was mentioning too, like, even with with Ford, he was like, yo, these motherfuckers need free time because I need them to give me their money by buying shit. Right. After I pay them for their work. So they kind of need free time. So even the even the capitalists were thinking about what the value is to have somebody have enough time, have enough money. And even in their fucked up, you know, calculus, they're like, yeah, because then I can get that shit back. Trickle right. up, baby. It works. 
sustainability in all aspects of American capitalism is like, unfortunately, like not the first thing that anybody thinks about. And well, that is like one thing too. Like I, so I, I, I studied econ in college. That was my major. I found it very interesting. And I always say I have like a capitalist brain and a socialist heart. So I'm always trying to like reconcile the two. And I think right. one, one problem, one issue the left has a little bit is we, and I say we, I, I consider myself, you know, very left, is a lot of us have just like hate capitalism so much, we don't learn how it works. We don't think about it. We want to burn it to the ground. And I'm not saying that's not the right feeling, but you lose the ability to speak the language that the capitalists use. Right. And I think, to my point earlier about like, we focus so much on how awful capitalism is for the poor. Also pointing out, Hey, socialism can also be really good for your rich ass because it's right. more money in the the purchasing power of the population grows. And right. you're going to get that money back. Like every time a stimulus check hits, all the rich get richer because yeah. we're spending yeah. money with their shit. So that's that's the way to sell it. Like, you know, if you had gone to Ford and been like, hey, four day work week because people are tired, they want to be with their families. He'd be like, I don't give a shit. But if, they, if you go, hey, Ford, you'll get 25 percent more. He's like, oh, shit, four day work week. Let's do it right, right now. It's the yeah. same thing with like that McKinsey study we we're talking about where the McKinsey's like, hey, Hollywood, you're leaving $10 billion on the table by not hiring black people in right. the entertainment industry and creating more films that are just more diverse. You are leaving $10 billion a year on the table by staying entrenched in this rigid thinking. Um, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's and we were saying the same point. It's like, shit, they might have to dangle a $10 billion carrot in front of the industry for them to be like, Fuck yeah! All right, we gotta do something about this, man. Like, if we hire more people of color and and tell different stories, like that, that actually benefits us, according to the other capitalists, the smart capitalists that are like, you're leaving money out there, guys. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Kenny, it has been such a pleasure having you as always on Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, where can people find you, follow you, experience you? Man, I'm uh, at Kenny DeForest, uh, D E F O R E S T one R on Twitter, on Instagram. Those are my primaries. And I got a website, KennyDeForest.com. I'm sure I'll be touring again once it's safe to do so. And uh, yeah, come watch me do stand-up. I got a podcast that'll be coming out soon, so look for that. And uh, that's it, man. That's that's my yeah. plugs. Go watch Kenny stand-up on his uh, website or wherever you find it. And then, uh, yeah, go see him in person. He's hilarious. Thank you. Um, is there a tweet or some of the work of social media you've been enjoying? Yes. Uh, there's always just like a random viral tweet that's like funnier than anything a comedian has said. <laughs> right. <laughs> so this is at BRJXV. Her name is just B. And the tweet was, I like Seth Rogen. He smoked a little weed and it's spelled O-U-I apostrophe D. I like <laughs> Seth Rogen. He smoked a little weed. He make a little vase. He stay out the way. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I just weed. think that's great. Weed, 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 <laughs> weed, <laughs> and it's you know staying in your lane. There's power to that. Yeah, you know. Yep. Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Miles of Gray. Also, the other podcast, Four Twenty Day Fiance, where we talk Ninety Day Fiance. And you know what? Today, uh, Tuesday, we're on Twitch.tv slash Four Twenty Day Fiance. Four Twenty Pacific. Come through. Watch us. You know, talk the show and many other things. Some tweets that I like. 
First one from Jamie Loftus at Jamie Loftus Help. Why am I able to just fuck someone, but the intimacy of asking them how their shower works is too much? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's something about that. Uh, also, super super producer Anna Hosnier at Anna Hosnier. You know that feeling when you've been in quarantine too long and your boyfriend likes one type of toilet paper and you like another and someone must die? <laughs> I'm really curious to know what the two schools of toilet paper are because I feel like the only, it's either it's either too rough that it's just chopping up your butthole. And who likes that? Or it's too soft that it breaks apart. But I've not encountered much too soft. Usually then it means it's too cheap. All that to say, use the bidet. You know yes. what I mean? And yes. then you just, just, just you're dabbing your eye at that point. You know, day all day, baby. Just dab the what eye. a revelation. Yeah. I dab. Like like you're weeping a little bit. I exactly. Yeah. Um, and then a few more. The, a few people uh, from the Zeit Gang tagged me in this uh, tweet from Paul Palmieri at this Paul. For those of you who, who dislike Matt Damon, uh, one time he was at my bar completely <laughs> shit-faced. He fell and split his head open. And when security got to him and did their safety check, they asked if he knew who he was. He said, come on, guys, it's me, Matt Damon. From we bought a zoo. <laughs> and one last one from Liana at Killing GF. Guys Tinder bio guys Tinder bios be like six two because apparently that matters. Boy, don't nobody give a fuck. You make me six two my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Uh, that's great. <laughs> make me six two my stomach. <laughs> Uh, a couple of tweets I've been enjoying. The great damn white. Uh, he tweeted. He tweeted. Well, I already got my stimulus. Amazing how quickly things get done when you have adults in charge. Don't forget, not a single Republican voted for this. Uh, <laughs> it's a screen cap of his uh bank account, and like I think a lot of people just retweeted it based on the message, <laughs> but it's like thirty uh OnlyFans <laughs> transactions. <laughs> Where he's tipping women $1,800 and $4,300 and like multiple times, $69.69. And and then it's the $1,400 stimulus that he has circled. But uh, just so dumb. Nat tweeted, people are too casual about the fact that parrots can talk. Uh, which I agree with. And then Adam Naiman, uh, for all the parents out there, tweeted, The Shining remains a hugely empathetic portrait of a guy trying to get some work done with a child around. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about today, as well as the song that we recommend you go check out. Miles, what is today's recommendation? This is uh, Mono Poly, Mono slash Poly, uh, for all you synthesis fans out there. It's an artist from Brain Feeder, and the track is called Raw Rise, R-A, and then space R-I-S-E. It's just a dope track with just great modulation, uh, beat making. It's definitely a headphone track. You want to put this in headphones because you want to put it straight into your brain like most brain feeder releases. I mean, look, you can you can slap it out of the system if you want, but there's something about these kinds of beats that are very that are mixed very meticulously and have great textures to them. Uh, so look, if, if you want to kind of trip out through music, check out Monopoly and Raw Rise right after yeah, this. Yeah. Check Go that out check in that the out. footnotes. You can 
click directly on that song in the footnote. Because that's where the tracks are now. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.